and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. Uh, I'm Christine and I'm here with Nate. I'm here. Sung is still traveling. Yeah, Sung is still out and about this week. So um, we are continuing in our series on technology. Yes, we got uh, so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this week we are, so last week we talked about the promises that technology makes. The false promises the, yeah. of technology. <laughs> to put it as negatively as possible. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, this week we are talking about one specific promise that uh, technology makes, which is kind of no limitations yeah. in life, not yeah. having any limits with what you can do, what you can achieve. What you can know. What you can know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, with the advent of technology and the ability to have literally every piece of information at your fingertips, mm -hmm. that is, uh, I mean, and I'm sure we've talked about this, but there was a time where like, we've talked about this in one of our previous episodes where yeah. like, if you didn't know who won the 1982 World Series at the table, yeah. it was just like, well... We'll have to check with this dude who's our like baseball guru. Yeah. Or another example, um, when I'm talking to my students, uh, there are students. I So I read Lord of the Rings every year as a practice. Um, I wow. Like, Wait, all three? Uh, all, well, all four. So I start with The Hobbit oh and I usually work gosh. through it. Sometimes it falls like every 18 months or, or whatever. But um, so I'll talk with students who have never read the Lord of the Rings who know more about the Lord of the Rings than I do because uh -huh. they will just memorize the wiki how of, or, you know, not the wiki how the like a uh, Tolkien gateway Wikipedia yeah. page. Um, and oh, so they man. know about, you know, like Lothlorien and all of these different places and like obscure mythology and they've never picked up the book Yeah, and because it's, you know, that's what the internet promises. You can know anything yep. about anything yeah. without ever having you can become a, a, you know, an expert on anything. Yeah. I mean, Twitter promises that millions and millions of people can hear your opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, Facebook promises that you can have 2000 friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is not, which is not actually possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most people have legitimately like a, a real honest circle of like a hundred to 150. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I have way more Facebook friends than that. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you have probably even more than I do. I know Sung has like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands. Yeah. So there's this promise that technology uh, sort of like removes all of the limits mm -hmm. from us. And where I think that can intersect with faith is that faith is in many ways um, like finding comfort in the unknowable. Mm -hmm. And when our framework for engaging with the world is that everything can be researched and known and decided on, mm -hmm. or even worse that it should be yeah. known, decided on, and then acted on. Mm. I think that that creates a, a foundation of faith that is unsustainable. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I mean, I would, I would maybe venture so far as to say dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're and I, I know people who do this, who sort of mm -hmm. believe that they can know everything that they need to know mm -hmm. about faith. Yeah. I, I just, if you've ever tried to have a conversation with those people, yeah. it can be really frustrating. Well, and I think that comes from even the way, you know, research has gotten us so far yeah. in uh, even knowing the hist like the history of the world. But sometimes I will read accounts of, 
you know, from written by someone today about how people lived 10 or a hundred thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at the footnotes and the research, which people don't do, um, except for you, except, like, I just feel like <laughs> some people are like, Oh, this is such a good book. And I read the footnotes. I'm like, Oh, this claim was based off of this tiny fact, mm-hmm. but it makes it feel like, Oh, we can, we can make, uh, we can know everything yeah. even down to how many people lived in this town a hundred thousand years ago based on the three arrowheads we found and the two corp, you know, yeah. like it's like, yeah, just, I think we, because of the way information is even presented through technology, sometimes it makes us feel like we should be able to know everything. And if we don't, then it, something's wrong. Yeah. And it also can, um, it can prevent us from, so like there was a time let's go back to when there was a town crier mm-hmm. who gave you the news. Like if that dude was like a little bit off his rocker, everybody <laughs> knew that. And they took what he said with a grain of salt. Yeah. Or if you are like, you know, um, swapping stories at the water cooler yeah. or at the general store or whatever, your, your uh, filter for that information comes through a relationship and a knowledge of another human being. Yeah. And when we find information on the internet, there's this uh, perhaps false assumption mm-hmm. that it is objectively true. When in reality, it also was put there by a human being yeah. with their own set of beliefs and biases and blind spots and agendas. Mm-hmm. And technology can make us forget that that is still where that information is coming from. Or even ChatGPT, which yeah. I I have used. Have I know you? a lot of people. Yeah, John Moore used it to do something like write a kind of. Basically, he he asked it to write a sermon, and most of what it said was true okay. because it's pulling from millions yeah. of things around the world, but. Not everything it said was true because it's pulling from millions of fallible human mm-hmm. beings around the world. Yeah. And I think that's that's the thing, right? Is it's like, oh, it's choosing, you know, I ask it what to cook. It'll give me the best of every recipe it finds yeah. based on ratings. Um, but it also doesn't know everything. So it doesn't know, oh, this, uh, you know these reviews are good because in the comment section, uh, they tell you to make it differently. Yeah. You know, there's just those things where it makes it look really infallible. Yeah. It makes it look like, Oh, this has to be right. This has to be, you know, true. Um, I can know how to do this just by typing into chat, chat GPT. Yeah. But you, you aren't seeing the source. Yeah. You aren't seeing, I guess, as we talked about last week, like the cost. Right. Right. I think another way that, um, that technology, uh, sort of promises, um, like no limits. I mean, again, if you think about it, you know, if technology allows our audience to be the world, Mm -hmm. 7 billion people. And so you can begin to believe that like your opinion, let's Mm -hmm. say, can and should be heard by 7 billion people. Mm -hmm. And that, that really changes the way that we think about ourselves. It magnifies our, and this is another thing that I I was talking about last week. This also comes from, in some ways from the podcast that I was listening to, Mm -hmm. um, by the, the, the book that the Crouches wrote. Uh, it magnifies our voice Mm -hmm. in a way 
that I don't always think, I don't think is, and they certainly would think this, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for us to believe that our voice has limitless appeal Mm -hmm. and influence, but technology tells us it does. Yeah, that's our, so we're doing a series at, uh, in Grace Student Ministries this month called Everything Everywhere. That's Mm. for the high schoolers because when it's, it's about kind of anxiety and Mm. when we talk about anxiety for high schoolers, a lot of it stems from feeling like they have to care about everything everywhere. They have to be, they have to be heard by, you know, everyone everywhere. They Mm -hmm. have to, everything, uh, it feels like everything everywhere has to be relevant, known, uh, understood. And that is kind of the, the framework in which, you know, uh, our generation and now, you know, even like the, Gen Z ends at like sixth grade, I think. And so the next generation is already coming up and hmm. feeling like, yeah, I, I have to know about everything everywhere. Yeah. I was, uh, I was at a Ted talk that, um, my son was a part of it at Hope college two years ago, I think. And there were 10 speakers and it, it was every single, not every single speaker, but almost every single speaker, because the, the theme of it was sort of like personal experience. Like that was sort of, it's not just that everybody did this, but mm-hmm. all 10 speakers for the most part talked about an issue that was very personal mm-hmm. and very important to them. Uh, all, everything from, uh, you know, like disabilities mm-hmm. to, uh, to racism, to, um, immigration. I mean, the list just goes on and on yeah. talking about these issues that were important to them. And at the end of it, I was like, I don't have the capacity mm. to care for all of these and to do what they're asking me to do. Yeah. I, it, like talk about a sense of anxiety mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I should. I mean, this is real. Here's a person who in the midst of their TED talk bursts into tears because their experience around a core issue was so painful and so formative. And yeah. I end up feeling like I should care, mm-hmm. but... If, if every issue on the planet is available to you, yeah, it's not possible to care for all of them. And that, I think you're right. I think that creates a tremendous amount of anxiety mm-hmm. because there are things that we're told we should do that we are not, we, there aren't literally aren't enough hours in the day or synapses in the brain yeah. for us to actually care about as, as we're told we should. And that's one thing I appreciate about like, um, there's, like a discipleship uh, kind of booklet that I've gone through where it asks you to to check just your top three pa- areas of passion. Mm-hmm. And it lists every single one. It lists prison ministry. It lists disability. It lists LGBTQ issues. It lists mm-hmm. a number of things. Um, and uh, you, you can only choose three. And for me, as an Enneagram 2, I want to help yeah. everyone. I want yeah, to yeah. I want to care about all those things equally. I want to care about discrimination. I want to care about, which I do, um, I want to care about all of these different issues equally. But choosing three uh, and narrowing your focus doesn't mean you can't care about all. Mm. But it's saying like, okay, you don't have time in the day to advocate for everyone everywhere. Who is God specifically calling yeah. you to advocate for, to, um, you know, show God's love to in a really unique and, and powerful way that only you can do. Yeah. Um, and for me, again, you know, if, if uh, the lie is like, we can do everything all the time, being told you can't, so pick one to do, to, to care about well, to mm-hmm. care for well, um, was really freeing. Yeah. Um, but also 
allowed me to do a better job at what I'm supposed to do. Well, and I, and I think that is where the intersection of technology and faith, the, the no limits sense of technology is that, is that once you've sort of like picked something, yeah. technology does allow you to go as deep as yeah. you have capacity for. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a, that's a powerful thing. Um, in terms of connecting with online communities or mm-hmm. the the access to, like you said, research and information yeah. um, around any issue is almost infinite. Mm-hmm. And so if, but that has to come within the, within a boundary, mm-hmm. right? Like inside that boundary, it's very, very helpful. But when those boundaries are taken off in the first place, and it's like, here are all the issues in the world mm-hmm. at your fingertips, um, that becomes tremendously, tremendously anxiety producing. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, um, so I I will often say like, oh, I care a lot about this. This is why, you know, this is Mm -hmm. what, you know, undergirds why I'm making these decisions. And then people will say, well, what about this issue? That's just as important in this other place. Um, and I think that's really common and I, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong because it is important to know like this isn't the only issue out yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think that that means that then I, I have to stop caring because I think that that can be the problem, right? Is it's mm. like, oh, I care a lot about making sure that we have like disability friendly spaces. Mm. That's something I care a lot about. There are a lot of other s- things that we need to make sure our communities are. Um, yeah. But I think sometimes the temptation is, therefore, I should care less about disability spaces so that I can care more about all these others. Mm. But thinking about like, oh, we're the body of Christ. Like we can, as long as we have someone who's called to care about this other issue and make sure that these people don't fall through the cracks and these people don't fall through the cracks, uh, we can come together as the body. Yeah. That is so good. That that's such a good reminder. And I think the one of the one of the ways that we can do that well is again understanding that if we have limited capacity mm-hmm. for attention, despite what technology tells us we could have, um, other people do as well, mm. and we can in some ways uh, drop our judgment of people who do not feel as passionate about the same topics that we do. Now that's in my mind, that's really different than people being being dismissive. Yes. Uh, Right. Really, really different. I think you can be compassionate and understanding and leave space in your heart for things that are important to other people without becoming its champion. Yeah. Um, And in fact, I would say that I think that there are people who pick an issue and do it to the detriment of all the other issues that mm-hmm. are out there. And I, I, that's, that's not what I'm talking about, but if we simply acknowledge that this is sort of my place, yeah. um, then people around us can really, really benefit from that. Yeah. And really, really benefit from that. And it, it makes me think of like, yeah, we, we each have our, our space to occupy. Yeah. And, um, it reminds me of, that a definition of humility that my uh, a friend from community group Lauren was telling me the other day, which um, comes from the Hebrew word that we translate as humility. Hmm. But the definition of that Hebrew word is um, occupying your God-given space in the world hmm. and, and recognizing that like God has created a space for you. And so humility doesn't become right. Like self-effacing, like, Oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm extra humble. Um, and it's also 
but but there is a humility of oh god created this space for me yeah and he gave me a passion for this this and this and so i can care about all of these things but I don't have to do all of those yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And again, like coming back to sort of the, the, the false, um, the false l- lie of technology mm-hmm. can be that that space is much bigger than it actually is. Yeah. Uh, right. Sort of like, like I have the, I have the ability for my influence to be worldwide. Mm-hmm. I don't think God calls most of us to that. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I think he does for some people, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think that there, the world is better for the people who honestly and, and sort of faithfully occupied a worldwide space that God had given them. Yeah. But you know, we sort of, we tell every child they can become president and that it, it, first of all, they can't. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, they shouldn't. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of people I know who are in a spot much different from president of the United States mm-hmm. and the world is so much better for it. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not trying to make this political. I'm just saying like yeah. not everybody should be president. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, a lot of times I can get sucked into that where like I made a TikTok for my bunnies. <laughs> I didn't do it so that they could become TikTok famous. Mm. I did it because someone was like, one of my friends was like, oh man, I wish I could see your bunnies every day. Aww. I was like, I can make that happen. <laughs> um, so I started taking videos. I'm not consistent. It's like once a month, I like post a video. And at first it was like just for fun. Mm. Um, but then one video got like 2000 views. Um, and I was like, man, Every video should, you know, yeah. because it can, it should. Yes. Is kind of oh, the lie. Yes. Um, so like, oh, so now every video should get 2,000 yeah. views. And if it only gets 200, that's, oh man, I must not have done a very yeah. good job of, well, you know, why did only 200 people see this? 200 people do not need to appreciate my bunnies. That's not their God-given space in the world. Right, <laughs> you right. Know? Um, but I can get caught up in the lie yeah. that because people can hear my voice, they should. Yeah. I, I think that that goes to another sort of underlying, uh, like false promise of technology that's closely mm-hmm. associated, which is sort of that like growth is the only acceptable mm. state of being. Yeah. Sort of like if you are, if you are static, mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. And uh, there are certain areas where I think we should always be striving for growth, yeah. but they are internal. Yeah. You know, we should be growing in faith and we should be growing in humility, like finding our place. Mm -hmm. We should be growing in our relationship with God, with our love for others. But so many of those things happen inside. And the, the belief that I don't know how many people are on TikTok, Mm -hmm. call it billions, maybe. Yeah. The, the belief that every video should do better than the last is sort of inherent to, to the, to the, um, idea that there aren't limits. Mm -hmm. Every video should get more and more and more likes. And that is, man, that is a, it's a, it's a consequential way Mm -hmm. of viewing the world. And one that I think oftentimes the consequences are negative. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I even think about like grace with, with having, um, being in a kind of mega church culture and that Mm. being the expectation i often will you know when we launched uh north grace north this this past season i had a lot of people ask me like wait aren't you are we never just gonna 
get bigger? Like, are, isn't the goal for us to like one day be a 3000 person church? It's like, no, that's, that's just not our, our goal. Our goal mm. is to continue to multiply. Yeah. Um, not just to continue to grow. But that idea I think is really built into our mindset toward all sorts of things. Sure. Um, oh, if, if I'm, you know, at, even like at, at work, right? Like, oh, if I'm growing and doing better, I should get promoted. Yeah. But not every teacher should be a principal. Right. Some teachers should just be really good teachers. Yeah. And that's, you know, their passion. That's their skill set. That's their giftedness. Yeah. Uh, but I think the mindset can be, oh, no, but one day if I'm a really good teacher, I should, you know, then become right. a, a, a principal, a lawmaker, mm -hmm. an edu you know, like education specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but realizing like, oh, that's not actually the goal of life. Right. Uh, so I, I had a, I had a good friend of mine who was a really good engineer and because he was a really good engineer, he got promoted to a supervisor and yeah. I could tell, I could tell that he was a horrible supervisor <laughs> because he was a great engineer. It's yeah. a totally different yeah. skill set, right? Absolutely. But the concept that we should always be growing and advancing in sort of these external ways um, I think is exacerbated by, mm -hmm. by the promises of technology. Um, I, I read a really, really helpful book. I've read it several times by an author named Parker Palmer, uh, and it's called let your life speak. Mm -hmm. And one of the principles that he lays out there is that boundaries on boundaries on our ability mm -hmm. are a way of God speaking to us about what he has called us to do. Mm -hmm. And I used to think again, as sort of as an Enneagram one and as like a high achiever, I used to think that I said this to my therapist once that I can and should be the best at everything that mm. I do. And she was like, everything. And I'm like, I actually f falsely believe that I have the capacity to be the best at everything. Mm. And she's like, that is first of all, not true, but she's also said, what a horrible burden to live mm. under because you are constantly failing. Mm -hmm. If you believe that the sky is literally the limit, every time that you're not reaching the sky, mm -hmm. you can feel like you're failing. Yeah. And that is a very, very, again, consequential way to exist in the world. And, you know, just really not the way that, Jesus asks us to be. Mm -hmm. And I think technology for so many people, um, again, is uh, often uh, just a measurement of our failure in that area. Because mm -hmm. every time, um, you know, you, you post a painting and then you see other artists who are posting better work or getting more likes, you're realizing like, oh, I, I'm not the best. If, if you haven't gotten rid of yeah. the framework, I should be, you are constantly faced with, oh, this 13 year old is already famous. Right. This, you know, 18 year old has already done what I at 26 thought I would have done by now. Right. Um, and so it kind of, it gives us a more global scale by which to measure ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which when we think, oh, I should be the best. And then you're seeing the global scale. It's even I think it just increases that burden, mm -hmm. increases that pressure. Yeah. And think about it in other things. Think about it in, in the framework of discipleship mm -hmm. or, you know, like if, if you can, and again, we're just, I'm just throwing this out there, but if you can create a discipleship course and sell it for, you know, $7, like you could perhaps be discipling about millions yeah. versus like the two or three people that God has probably placed in your life mm -hmm. who would really benefit from walking 
alongside you and you walking alongside them and being able to shift your framework to say, what limits do I have around me and see that as the voice of God in your life? It can be transformative. Yeah, that's recently I was, I was in a meeting. So, uh, John Byer is my my supervisor, so we meet every other week. And I was telling him about limitations in my schedule. I was like, "Listen, I'm planning a wedding. I'm trying to work, you know, like do 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 my work well. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking two classes this term, which is more than I usually I, I take one per term. Um, and I was like, I just don't have margin for for anything that is not directly within my calling right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have margin for any, you know, like ex- extraneous things." And he was, I thought that that was like, that was really hard for me to say. Mm -hmm. I was like, I should have boundless. I should have endless. You felt like you were acknowledging a failure. Yeah. And he was like that knowing your limitations is going to be the best thing for you in this season because you should have limitations. In fact, we all do. And this is actually an opportunity for you to acknowledge the limitations that you always should be living in, which is only doing what God is calling you to do in this season. Yeah. But I feel like, oh, I should be able to do that and, you know, and then some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was that was kind of revolutionary for me to mm-hmm. hear him say like, oh, it's acknowledging your limitations is the starting point. So I'm going to move into the world of agriculture because that's mm. my favorite place to live. Uh, but, you know, when you read in, in the Bible, God's commands to people who were growing crops, mm. he basically said, like, you do not harvest to the edges of your field. You yeah. leave those the corners and the edges you leave for the poor, the mm-hmm. orphan and the widow and the um foreigner is what he called them yeah. basically uh, basically the in the time the underclass mm-hmm. um so that they can they will come behind and they can it was called gleaning they would come yeah. and take what was left behind he said if you drop something in the field do not pick it up mm-hmm. leave it behind and so there's this sense of like not only is there a boundary at the edge of your field but you live inside that because mm-hmm. like the mercy the the mercy and the goodness of God is, is found in mm-hmm. those margins. And technology tells us not only can you harvest to the edges, but there are hundreds of other fields that you can also yeah. harvest or that technology yeah. can be harvesting for you. Mm. And like, so for example, I don't know if you know this, but the bigger the tractor, they have like GPS, like many farmers don't even steer anymore. Mm. They literally have GPS like put in their computer and they sit in the cab to, to keep an eye on yeah. things, but they're not steering. Mm. Literally the tractor is driving itself to the edges of every field mm. and planting and harvesting every sort of tillable square foot yeah. that there is. And you know, the problem is that that does not, leave the the idea of there being no limits Mm. means there isn't a margin and that margin is where the grace and mercy of God exists Mm -hmm. not only in our lives but also in our ability to be graceful and merciful to others as well yeah and that was uh to put it in like uh not farming terms dang it (laughs) no no, it's probably good probably more people are going to relate to this than than a gps tractor but that's fine (laughs) In my life, I think, you know, farming to the edges is like of my time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and that was the conversation I was having with John was like, uh, something came up and it was, you know, uh, 
something that I felt like, oh, this is something that I'm called to step into, a mm-hmm. space I'm called to step into. I need to be able to set up a meeting with this person. And I had realized I had filled every single evening in my calendar. Mm-hmm. I had every single day was packed with um, meetings or, um, you know, community group or, or, you know, which is all good things, right? Yeah. But every single evening was filled and I yeah. didn't have that margin on the edge to give to the orphan, the widow, the poor. Yeah. I, I couldn't... Um, I couldn't meet this need that I felt God was calling me to meet yeah. without letting something else slip. I think finances are another way that technology tells us there isn't a margin. We yeah. talked about this last week, but credit tells us that that the amount of money in your bank account is not a boundary. Yeah. And so if, if you are, again, harvesting to the edges of your income, yeah. there is no space to be merciful mm-hmm. or to be generous. And, um, I, I think again, that's just a way that technology in promising no limits actually damages our relationship with those around us and, and especially with those in need. Yeah. So what is the solution? What is the way that we interact with technology and also acknowledge our own limitations? This is where we would turn to Sung and yeah. say, Sung, how on yeah. earth do we do that? I mean, so here's, here's the thing. And I think you, one of the, one of the, the principles that I have started to live by, and you mentioned it already, hmm. is to find what you're passionate about. Like yeah. choose, choose your areas of interest and focus mm-hmm. and choose them wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have said this many times on this podcast and I'll say it again because it has been such a transformative um, sort of experience for me to live inside, which is a quote that my wife gave me that said, don't ask what the world needs. Mm-hmm. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that because mm-hmm. what the world needs is people who have come alive and the idea that we have a place and a role and a unique set of gifts and passions um, and and sort of um, area of influence yeah. is the way like that we begin to live inside our boundaries. And when in that quote, like, yeah, people, the world needs people who have come alive. It's like, yeah, that's what Jesus came to do, right? Was yeah. to like bring life. Yeah. And he was so present. He was so... He, he lived within boundaries yep. as the son of God, right? Yeah. He slept, he retreated, he didn't heal every single person. Yeah. Um, and that is a helpful reminder because yeah. I, yeah, I forget that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a hard one. And I don't, I don't think, again, I don't think that it is a technology caused problem, yeah. but I think it's a technology it, exacerbated yes. problem. Yeah. Um, and it's that much easier to believe that no limits exist. And I, I will say, I think that the positive of that though is also technology. Um, and I think this is the, the positive side of that, that message is, you know, historically, I think mostly maybe parents or society would say you can only be uh, a farmer. You were born on a farm, mm-hmm. so you can only be a farmer. Yes. And technology said, no, you can learn how to be a blacksmith. Yeah. You can learn how to be a governor. A right? doctor. You, well, a yeah. doctor, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the positive side. Yeah. I think the discernment comes in, okay, I, I don't have to listen to any human voice. I, I just have to listen to the voice of God. Yeah. 
and, and know that therefore that path is open to me, whatever he's calling me to do, there's a way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, we've just gotten so used to like, oh yeah, I don't have to listen to anyone's voice. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. But there's maybe one voice that we should listen right, to. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, um, my, uh, my wife, Amy, who's a fantastic person and a fantastic entrepreneur, mm. has regularly chosen to put boundaries around her business yeah. uh, for the benefit of the other things that she values in her life. And yeah. that, you know, here's the interesting thing that that has changed mm-hmm. over the course of the years. When we had young kids, um, time was what was most valuable to her. So what she, so she created margins in her time by taking less money from the business and paying other people to do things and Mm. sort of limiting the scope. And then there were seasons where money was important and her time was more free. So she would put more time. So it doesn't always have to be the same thing, but man, like asking the question, where, where are, where should the boundaries be? Where should my focus be? That, that is that's the thing that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I guess my kind of encouragement to anyone listening to this is that you, uh, you're allowed to have limitations and oh, you're allowed to, yes. um, live within, you know, be the person that God called you to be and not try to be everyone you yeah. could be. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, I don't know if everybody listening to this knows that I was on staff at mm, grace yeah. for years and years. Um, and, uh, we reached a point. So church work is very, very people centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and most, I reached a point where most of my day was spent in like meetings and conversations and mm-hmm. those are not bad things, but I'm very, very introverted. Mm-hmm. And that me- that doesn't mean that I don't like people. I love people, yeah. but it is a high cost for me to interact with people. And, um, and I was doing that all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And my wife, again, who is very, very wise at seeing boundaries said, you know, maybe, maybe it's time for you to have a season where you work by yourself. Mm. Like maybe it's time for us to draw a boundary. And what's been crazy for me is to realize two things. First of all, I was living so far beyond my boundaries Mm -hmm. that I didn't even know where they were. And as I've tracked back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was not even close to living (laughs) inside the boundaries of sort of my social and relational capacity. Mm -hmm. But as I have stepped back into the inside that boundary, I realized that I now have time and energy for the people that, that are really important to me. And that's a much smaller number. I, I feel like my scope of influence, Mm-hmm. has shrunk considerably. Yeah. And I never would have thought this, um, but I have found that to be such a wonderful thing. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, I, I see the impact on the people that I care the most about. My mm-hmm. neighbors, my family, um, people in my you know community group, close yeah. relationships. And I, I think it's worth pointing out because a lot of people will relate to this you were really good at doing what you did. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you That's so nice of you to say. I, yeah, you were. You made a great executive pastor. You were really good at all of those relational spaces. And that doesn't mean that that was what God was calling you to do. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's so good. Like you're actually reminding me of things that I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, it's so good. Because I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, but I'm really good at this. Yeah. And therefore I am called to this. And that's, oh, that's so good because it's not true. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. Um, you can be good at, at something that is 
long-term detrimental to you. Yeah. And you can be good at something that God is calling you to use in a different way. Mm. Like you can, like you are still really good at um, those social interactions, but God is calling you to invest that talent in 20 people, yeah. not 800, Yeah, you know, and that's, that's okay. And so I think that's something where, again, just that lie of, oh, I'm good at this. Therefore, this is what I am supposed right. to do. Right. Not always. Yeah, mm, that's uh, it's a it's a helpful reminder because again, the feed if if you're not listening for sort of the voice of God mm-hmm. or focusing on what makes you come alive, positive feedback yeah. can be a really really powerful driver yeah. in terms of how we make decisions and that the choices that we sort of live into. Um, and that can be like, look, people are good at lots of things. Yeah. And the, the message has become, Oh man, the message of no limits to bring it back to this mm-hmm. also tells you that for, if you're good at this, there is an opportunity mm. for this to be more, to have a greater outreach, yeah. to bring income. Like that is the promise mm-hmm. with an unlimited sort of audience anything that you're good at could theoretically grow infinitely. Yeah. But that is really different than finding your passion mm-hmm. and, uh, and letting it grow as far as it makes you mm-hmm. come alive. Yeah. I think about a lot of hobbies. I think that one of the yeah. lies is every hobby can be lucrative and therefore yeah. what can should. So yes. every hobby should be lucrative. Yes. Um, but it's okay to just have a hobby. I mean, the 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 base of Etsy was yeah. sort of like, hey, if you make things in your spare time, now you have a global audience and you yeah. can sell them. I literally just got an email last week. I I sold some of my blacksmith products at a store mm. um, in in the city and uh, in the big city. <laughs> 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 but I. Uh, but I just found it wasn't sustainable mm. for me to keep making things that way. And because it's a passion of mine it, in a restorative manner, yeah. it really took a lot of the joy out of it for me. And they just emailed me last week saying like, Hey, we've sold most of your items. Would you like to make a delivery? And mm. I, the draw is like, they want me yeah. like, like imagine that people will know that I'm an artist and a craftsman. Like yeah. that is the draw. Right. But what makes me come alive is literally just, saying like, I wonder if I could do this or mm. I wonder if I could make this. And that is not the same as marketability. Yeah. Um, even though I am l- like a decent amateur blacksmith, mm-hmm. right? So man, just the, 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 the globalization of an audience yeah. that technology provides uh, can, it can be like a false indicator yeah. of, of where we should spend our time if we're not careful. Yeah. So, man, uh, lots to think about this week. And I feel like even with me, I still have some discernment to do with what my limitations are. So hopefully uh, you all have lots to chew on Um, until we see you next time for Rhythms of Grace. Mm -hmm.